What a great time of worship. What a great time of gathering. I know that we can't be together. Uh, but even in that, it was, it was so great. Uh, thanks, Jen and Dwayne, for what you shared and the way that you were allowing the Lord to speak through you uh, this morning. It was very evident. And um, the Lord is moving amongst us. You know, there's, there's lots to be stirred up about this week. Lots. There was the extension of restrictions that came down, the inconsistencies that we're seeing in the restrictions that we're feeling, the impact that it's having on so many right now around us who are vulnerable and are in need in our society. We saw the violence and the terrorism that gripped the uh, U.S. Capitol this week and were shocked at what we saw. We saw, we heard about more individuals in government who traveled over Christmas and seemingly seem to think that a different set of rules applies to them. There's lots to be stirred up about this week. Lots. I'm just touching the surface for so many of us. But is this really what we should be stirred up about? And I'm not advocating indifference. I'm not advocating avoidance for us. But I'm recognizing in myself that there is the potential in these days to get stirred up about a lot of things. And let's be real. When we're talking about this, we feel, we actually feel like we are getting incensed. Like we're getting angry. I'm I'm putting a nice bow on this. We feel angry. And we're feeling anger rising up inside of us. And so, as I was feeling that this week, I started to to allow myself to dwell in that, I guess you could say. And I started to ask myself probing questions before the Lord because I was feeling stirred up. And so I was asking things like, is this growing my apprenticeship to Jesus and following his way? Am I growing in my affection and in my love for Jesus? Am I finding joy and contentment, my joy, my contentment in the Lord? What is ruling my emotions? Is it the presence of the Holy Spirit or is it something else? Again, there's lots to be stirred up about. Lots. But am I stirred up with passion and hunger for God. Peter speaks of stirring up the church, he says, by way of reminder in his second letter. And so I want to I receive that amidst these days for myself. And he says that in 2 Peter 1.13. He talks about, I want to stir you up. Now, that word there for stir up means to, to rouse or to be woken up, to wake up. It, it's the same Greek word that's used when the disciples woke Jesus up in the boat. They stirred him up. So it's this, this being awakened. I want to awaken you to this by way of reminder. Hebrews 10 speaks of stirring one another up. It's a different word there for stir up, but we'll... We'll talk about that. But as we enter into prayer and fasting right now, this, today, this week, as a church, I want to I focus on, by way of reminder, stirring up passion for God. And I want to ask, 
How do we stir up passion for God? Rather than being consumed with everything that's going on around us and swirling and all the passions of this day and everything that can just get us full of of various emotions, how do I stir up passion for God? Rather than all these other things, So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about five ways this morning for us in the next few minutes. Number one, we stir up passion for God by feeding off God's power. Or another way you could say it is be sustained by his power. 2 Peter 1 verses 3 to 4 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires." I want to actually just stop. I want to pray right now before we get into this. I want to just feel like we need to pray. Lord Jesus, I want to receive your word this morning as life for me, as truth, as being profitable in every way, as being the thing that will challenge me, that will rebuke me, that will shape me and form me more into being like you. That is, your word has the power to do that. And I want to receive that this morning. And I want to pray that for all of us this morning, that we would receive the word and it would rest on us and it would encourage us, but also challenge us and call us to be more and more like you, Jesus. So we give all of this to you. Lord, this isn't about us. This is about the power of your word shaping us and forming us and changing us. And so we say amen to that this morning. Thank you, Lord. So what does it mean when it says that God's divine power has given us everything for life and godliness? Because this is an important question, I think. How do we understand this? What, what does God mean by life and godliness? And the answer for us is in verse 4 that we just read. It's so that we can participate in the divine nature. We, we now have the life of Jesus extended to us to participate with him, to seek out the way of Jesus now as redeemed individuals. Having, we have received the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. That's the same spirit that lives inside of us. So this is saying that change and transformation in our lives is not only possible, it is normative for those who share in the life of Jesus. We can live differently. Yes, We'll face temptations. We will face the effects of sin in this world, around us and in us. But life in Jesus gives us power for renewed lives, for tremendous change to be possible and to take effect. 
Meaning there, there is supernatural power available to us. There is nothing lacking. Everything that we need is found in Jesus. And so that bears the question then again, what are you looking to? What are you relying on to get through your life, to get through these days? And this is where the challenges, the frustrations, the limits of right now can actually be a gift. Right now can be a gift to us to reveal where we are looking to and we're trusting in other things. Areas that, you know, maybe they go undetected at times when it's good and there's life is easy and we have more comfort. And what it does is it reveals that actually we were depending on things, other things for our self-reliance. Areas that need change. And so this is where sorting through our emotions and examining our actions, our responses, our attitudes can show us where we have trusted in other things that will ultimately leave us unsatisfied. And it's in seasons of great weakness and brokenness that actually we can meet God in powerful ways. And, and, and in profound ways, we can meet him. In these times where it just, it feels like, what's going on and why do I feel this inside of myself? And, and these times where we meet God in this weakness, in this brokenness, we can be stirred by his presence. And so we need to tap into, so to speak, and feed off of God's power. It's the only way. If we're going to stir up passion for God, we have to tap into his power. For our lives. And this connects us actually to the second way we stir up passion for God. Second, prioritize growth in godliness. Or you could say, focus on your character. 2 Peter 1, verses 5 to 9 goes on. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have these is nearsighted and blind forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So prioritizing growth in godliness really matters. There, there is many of us, I think, from what I've seen, what I've heard, what I'm feeling, that there's this rising sense of frustration, of frustra frustration, discontentment, if you will, irritation at what we're experiencing right now. Or orders that just don't seem to make practical sense. Many inconsistencies. And let's be honest, we are feeling an inclination. Like I said earlier, we're feeling a real inclination to anger. Because we, we, we don't have control, and we want control on what's going on. I spoke to a friend this week who lives in the UK, and they're under a full lockdown until at least March. And I'm like, 
You're in like full-scale lockdown for another two months at least. And I'm going, and I'm getting so incensed what we're going through. There's, there's just massive implications for so many people right now. And I remember as I was, I was thinking about this, then I'm, I'm, uh, what I'm, the Lord recalls to me is, Paul, in the midst of this, all of us, you, all of us, we are representatives of Jesus to those around us. We don't get to press pause on that because we want to be incensed about something. What you say, how you behave, what you do or what you don't do isn't just about you, actually. You represent Jesus. Your life is not your own. It's not just about you. Not if you live according to Scripture. And so these are days that reveal our character. They are revealing our own inconsistencies. I was going for a walk last night. I was thinking about this. I'd, I'd, the Lord had, had spoken to me earlier in the day about this, about, you know, I'm, I'm getting uh, stirred up by these inconsistencies around me. And then I was thinking about, what about the inconsistencies in our lives? And so I was thinking about that, and I, I went for a walk last night as I'm praying about this, and, and, I, and I was debating with the Lord about how do I rest and how do I let go of things, and yet how do I advocate for those around me that seem to have no voice and, and where things don't make sense and there's people struggling and hurtling, hurting, how do I do that? And the Lord just said, Paul, what about your inconsistencies that I want to deal with right now? And I'm allowing this right now so that you can deal with them. I didn't have anything to say. It's probably a good thing I didn't have anything to say. But, you know, there's, there's, what about where the actions and behaviors in our own lives don't add up? Where they, we don't make practical sense as followers of Jesus. The things we're doing or saying, people go, that doesn't make practical sense to being a follower of Jesus. We need to hear those words, these words in Scripture in these times. So this is about our character. This is about living with integrity. In fact, it's even, it goes beyond integrity. It goes to living to be more and more like Jesus, who's the ultimate example of just surrender. Making decisions that prioritize growth in these areas in our lives. Because when we possess these qualities, when we see growth in them, they help us to live to the way of Jesus. That's what it's saying here. And so what Paul, Peter is saying here, he's saying the possibility exists that we can claim belief in Jesus, relationship with him, but remain ineffective and unproductive, meaning we don't live it out. And so these are days that give us lots of opportunity to live out what we claim to believe and follow. How do we live and walk this out? Because these are not just passive changes. Go on adding this, go on adding that. Poof! It's magic. It just happens. No, it's not that. It's a result. He says, make every effort. It's strenuous effort. It, it means there in the Greek, whole devotion. Like there's this whole devotion to just become more like this. Involves actions. It involves choices. Real life 
choices. And the list of these qualities, it ends with godliness and then brotherly affection and then love. So to become like Jesus means that from that flows love and care for the body of Christ first. It's, it's scripture, in Scripture, it's just incomprehensible that we would claim to follow Jesus and live as lone ranger Christians. And from that, from that brotherly affection flows love in all areas of our lives to others. And the promise here is that if we're prioritizing growth in godliness in our lives, we will stir up passion for God in our lives. It will come as a result of these qualities in our lives. Third way we stir up passion for God. Pursue connection with one another. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another or stir up one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So, we are to assess how we are to live as the church according to scripture, not trending culture. We are to spur one another, or as like other versions say, to stir up. And, and the word there means to incite. We are to incite each other, but not in a bad way, in a positive way. You are to incite one another to love and to good works or good deeds. You know, we, we long for things to open up right now. We long for that, to be able to go out, to be able to see uh, something or someone, to go somewhere, to have a sense of freedom and control, just that there isn't this weight of restrictions on us. We want it to lift. We want to see rational, practical, consistent decisions from our elected officials. Yes, but what is the reason that we want things to open up? No, really, like have you asked yourself that? What is the real reason that I want things to open up? What is my core motivation? Have you asked yourself that? And so I was thinking about this. And, I, and, and the Lord said, Paul, do you long to be together with the church? Do you, I want to ask you, do you long to be together with the church? Do you long to gather again? Do you long to be with the body of Christ, the local expression? Do you long to worship with others? Or have we grown quite comfortable with the ease of everything that we've experienced in the last nine to ten months when it comes to our connection with the church? And I want to say that what we have experienced in the last ten months is not normative as it is when we talk about the church. This is not to be normative. Yeah, there's some helpful, there's some some good things that are coming out of this time. Absolutely, it is good. We're thankful for the ability to connect virtually. But this, this, what we're doing right now, this is not what the church is meant to be. I'm thrilled that we can reach into the homes of people with the hope of Jesus. I want to do that increasingly. And I hope that all of us want to be able to have a way that we can encourage others around us. Hey, Come and join me online. But in 
big picture is that this is about reaching people with the gospel, not encouraging Lone Ranger Christianity apart from a local body of Jesus followers. It's, it's in the gathering together. It's in the worshiping together. It's in seeking God together. There is something in that that we stir up passion for God with one another. Just being able to be here with just a few of us stirs up something in me that doesn't happen on my own. And so it's good to stir up in ourselves a holy discontentment. Stirring your heart to long for the church, for one another. I've been really challenged lately by Francis Chan's latest book, Letters to the Church. I've been reading it, contemplating it. What does it mean to be the church together? And that's, that's really the question he's asking in various ways. And he talks about how we're called to radical love and devotion to one another. And reading it in the midst of COVID, I'm like, I don't even know what to do with some of this. Like, I, I don't know what to do with what I'm reading. And, and, and this, this pull that I feel like, that there's something of this that's true, and yet we're apart. And, and he speaks of the church together, and he says this, he writes this. He says, try to imagine Paul and Peter speaking like we do today. Hey, hey, Peter, where do you go to church now? Oh, I go to the river. They have great music. I love the kids' program. Cool. Can I check out your church next Sunday? I'm not, I'm not getting much out of mine. Totally. I'm not going there next Sunday because little Matthew has soccer. But what about the week after? Sounds good. Hey, do they have a singles group? It's comical to think of Paul and Peter speaking like this, yet that's normal conversation among Christians today. Why? There are so many things wrong about this conversation, I don't even know where to start. The fact that we have reduced the sacred mystery of the church to a one-hour service we attend is staggering. I think that can come off as a little controversial. I think you might go, that even sounds a tad judgmental. But, and maybe it makes us uncomfortable. But perhaps there's something in that that needs to stir something in us when it comes to how we participate and connect within the church. There is a sacred mystery when it comes to the church. And so are we longing, are you longing to be together with the body of Christ? We are to stir one another up to love and good works. This is not the job of pastors only. This is not just the job of leadership teams or elder teams. This is for all of us to play a part in. And so how are you stirring one another in LCF up to love and to good works? How are you doing this right now? Yeah, but you might ask, how does this stir passion for God in my life? Well, Acts 2 says God's people devoted themselves. They were devoted, full of devotion to the teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread or communion, and to prayer. And it says that everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. It says in Acts 4, they were praising God. And as they were praying together, they all were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
They, they, there was something there in the early church as they were devoted to one another. They were devoted to being together as this expression of Jesus on this earth. There was something about them being stirred together with passion for God as they lived for the gospel together. Fourth way we stir up passion. Grab hold of what will remain or what really matters. Hebrews 12, 25 to 26 says, See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. So I read, I read that, those verses a few weeks back. Some of you might remember as we entered into a time of worship. And, and the verses there in, in Hebrews 12 speak prior that we've come to Mount Zion, that we've come to Jesus whose sacrifice speaks a better word. There's forgiveness and redemption in him. It's all sort of encapsulated in this, that, that we've, he's talking about coming to this place metaphorically where we are before the Lord. And it, it's helping us to grasp the magnificent work of Jesus and who we are as his people and how it stirs worship to God in our lives. And the verses here that we read there, they're sort of connecting us back to the earlier part of Hebrews 2, reminding us of the powerful testimony of Jesus and God's testimony to his people throughout history. And then it speaks there, it says, of, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And so then Hebrews 27 goes on, the next verse says, The words, kind of bringing an explanation, it says, The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is, created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. And then it says, it goes on in verse 20 and 29, it says, Therefore, so in light of what we've just heard, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. We're experiencing shaking right now. It certainly feels unprecedented, but I don't believe that this will be the end. I don't believe that magically all of a sudden we'll come out of this in a few months and, and there'll be no repercussions or after effects of this. I think the world is shifting. We're seeing it in a lot of respects. And I'm not sure that we should expect a world of comfort and ease as the norm. We don't know. But that's the point. If we're placing our hope and our trust and security in that which can be shaken, then we should expect to feel a great amount of upheaval when those things are shaken. And so what the word here is telling us is that amidst this shaking of created things, that which will not remain, hold on to that which will remain. Grab hold. Like it's talking about like grabbing hold. Like it is our rescue. This is the thing that we need. You don't need this stuff. If you need, if you need this other stuff, you will feel great upheaval. 
We can understand these verses, yes, within the context of worship, and it's part of that declaring the praises of God and singing. And, and yeah, like passionate engagement comes from passion for God, absolutely. And it stirs it within us as well. As we, as we are passionate about the Lord, there's something that's stirred within us. And I, I want to be stirred with passion for worship. Like I, There was something, as we were worshiping this morning, I want to be stirred by that. But this is not just about that. This is about worship in the whole of our lives. This is quoting Deuteronomy 4.24 when it talks about God being a consuming fire. And so within the context, what the writer of Hebrews is, is, is directing us back to is this is within the context of idolatry. Meaning not making anything in place of God to worship, no being, no image of any kind, no thing. Make sure that you do not worship something else for God is a consuming fire. Paul speaks of this sort of in Romans 1. There's, there's echoes of it there where he speaks that we've exchanged the glory of God to worship other things. Holding to what will remain is about worship in our lives, in all things. And so the question for us is, what are we worshiping? What holds supreme worth and value in your life? Is there any idolatry in your life? Anything like that in us hinders and stifles the presence of God and passion for him. It says in Deuteronomy 4 there, it says, God is jealous for his glory. The goodness of God does not mean that he is willing to overlook idolatry in our lives so that we can stay comfortable, safe, and happy, and it's all good, don't worry, grace will cover it. That's not what the goodness of God means. The goodness of God is we are lost. We are desperate without him. We are sinful. We need the redeeming work of Jesus because that is the only thing that can save us. And that is what we are to hold on to. And that is what will remain. And because we live in a culture immersed in idolatry, it's everywhere we should expect that there is going to be shaking that we are going to actually feel and will affect us simply because we live amidst this culture. There's things around us that are not going to remain that will be shaken. And so Peter, he speaks in similar ways in 2 Peter 3, and he's, he's talking about this and the passing away of this present earth and the coming of the new heavens and the new earth. And he asks, he says, in light of this, what kind of people ought you to be? In the midst of everything we're experiencing now, what kind of people are we to be? It says they're pursuing holiness and looking forward to the day and speeding to speed its coming. It speaks of looking forward to this time, this day, three times there in those verses. This is, this is about stirring up passion for God rather than being consumed or overwhelmed by the systems, values, and pursuits of this world. The fifth way, final way that we stir up passion for God, we make prayer 
constant. Very simple verse, one of the shortest ones in the New Testament. Might actually be the shortest one. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Two words, pray continually. Last Sunday, I talked briefly about covering everything in prayer. And this is an extension of that. And was so evident this past week. There's so many times this past week where I was like, I need to pray. I need to pray. I don't know. I don't get it. And I expect that that's going to continue. And if we are to stir up passion for God, we need to pray continually. It needs to be something. It needs to be our go-to, so to speak. When you feel overwhelmed, pray. When you feel discouraged, pray. When you feel frustrated, pray. When you feel helpless, pray. When you feel fill in the blank, pray. Perhaps we need to post less, tweet less, share less, and we just need to pray. I want to suggest to you that this coming week is not just any week. I want to suggest to you that this week, as we enter into prayer and fasting, that it is significant. That it actually holds potential to be very significant right now, to align us into the purposes of God, to align our hearts for where we are at right now, and to set us and to plant us where God wants us to be right now in 2021. I was thinking about this. You know, the thing about, the interesting thing about 2021 versus 2020 is we came into 2020 with all sorts of hope and promise and expectations, new decade. We had no idea right now at this time last year what was about to hit us. We do now. Now, what's different is now we're in the midst of something where, yeah, we don't know what this year holds, but we do know that it's going to be filled with a lot more challenges than we expected at this time last year. And so that can fill us with, oh man, I don't know how I feel about that. Or it can go, I need to pray. I really need to be rooted in the Lord. So we need to be grounded in the Lord amidst these days to stir in us passion for the Lord and for the things of God, to create spiritual hunger where we've been barren. We can't afford not to pray. That's how I'm looking at this right now. I can't afford not to pray. If I think I can get through this without prayer, I am in huge trouble. It's so easy right now to get caught up in many things that will consume us with passion but is it directing our hearts and desires where they need to be? Is it aligning us to the purposes of Jesus or is it aligning us to things that will leave us overwhelmed and empty and angry and just whatever else? When you feel inclined to get wrapped up in all sorts of theories and it's, they're there, they're all being thrown about, pray. Pray. Seek the Lord. Seek the God of heaven and earth who is above all things. Seek God who is right now waiting and longing and inviting us. Come before my throne of grace. Come, pray. Pray. 
All five of these points are active verbs. Feed, prioritize, pursue, grab hold of, make. But I want want to maybe give some context. This is not just about busyness. This isn't about effort or just personal determination, like let's just get this done. It's not that. There is that. There's active engagement. But it's also marked by contemplation. It's marked by heart work in us that results in being stirred with passion for God. You know, there's a, there was a pastor in Canada who's, uh, he does a podcast. He's fairly well-known. I think it was Carly Newhoff. I'm pretty sure it was the one he said this this week. But he said something to the effect of, you know, 2020 was not a good look for Christians. That really struck me as I thought about that. And he was speaking specifically about social media. And that, that I've been pondering that. Like, how, how does, how do I relate? I am first and foremost a follower of Jesus. I am first and foremost called to be a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus, and living according to his way and for the glory of his kingdom and the glory of his Father. That's before me. How am I living that out? And this, this assessing ourselves, this contemplation, this heart work amongst being active, it will result in outward mission as well. It results, passion for God results and equates to passion for people because we just want to love people and we want to reach people. What if this time right now, right now, this time, 2021, is being given to you by God to stir you up with a passion for God that you otherwise would not have. But because you have to go through this, if you're going to come out with passion for God like you didn't know was possible, what if God is doing that in 2021? What if he's saying, seek my face, seek my strength, just get down before me always. And I'm going to stir in you in 2021 a passion that, you're, that you need, that you can't live without. And so for application this week as we end, I want to, I want to invite you to find ways to participate this week in prayer and fasting. We have digital prayer cards. Dwayne showed them for this week. One with prayer focuses as a church Another prayer card that you can print off our website that uh, has spaces there to remind you of, of prayer items for yourself, for your family, for uh, our church, for, our, for the community that we live in, for the world, for our nation, all things that we're just, we want to, stuff that we want to put before the Lord. You can write that out to remind you. And then there's another, on the flip side of that card, there's a space to, uh, you can write what you feel God is sensing, what he's speaking to you, and how you're seeing God work this week amidst praying what, what he's saying to you. Just a, a great way. Maybe you want to like every day, you're going to use a new one. I don't, different ways to use it. But I'll encourage you this week and beyond to use these to guide you and to ground you in prayer. And if you want, if you want to get copies from the church, if you'd rather that we print them off, just let us know. We'd be, we're going to print some copies. I'd be happy to get those to you.
But let's, let's pray in faith this week, this coming week, that January 10th to 17th, that God is going to move in us, he's going to move amongst us, and there's going to be passion that's being stirred up in us for the things of God. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I am so thankful that you gave us your son. I'm so, so grateful that you did not leave me in my state of brokenness and lostness, but you sent your son. And despite all of our own inconsistencies, despite all the things in us that don't make sense, in spite of all the things that we are wrestling with and feeling, you came and you saved us and you invite us into relationship and you invite us into your life and you invite us to be changed. And so, Lord, we want to ask that you do that. And as we enter into prayer and fasting this week, that we would be stirred, stirred by the things of God, that there'd be, there'd be things happening in us this week that would set our trajectory for 2021 and beyond that would just be incredible where we would meet you and sense your presence and we'd see you work and move. And we thank you for the gift of prayer. We thank you that you invite us to pray. And so we say, yes, Lord, have your way in us, Jesus. Amen.